Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles, uh, your podcast for everything smart cities, action and investment. And welcome to uh, episode four. Um, as you may or may not have uh, heard from our previous podcast, we're currently in a series of episodes focusing on some of the fundamentals around smart cities action. Uh, that includes strategy, um, it includes standardization, and of course, collaboration, which is a key word. And today's uh, podcast episode is all about collaboration, but probably more specifically collaborative governance. Uh, and we're going to unpack that idea and uh, that sort of framework and methodology. And with me to help do that is uh, Max Hardy from Max Hardy Consulting. Max, thanks so much for joining us. You're most welcome, Adam. So, um, Max, we've had the benefit of um, knowing each other for a long time uh, and also working alongside each other. Um, but can you tell our uh, listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what business you're in? Sure. Well, I've been um, describing myself as a community engagement practitioner uh, for over 20 years now. Um, and I guess that work led me into uh, realising the limitations of a lot of conventional engagement practice and then looking at the uh, potential for, uh, for more collaborative approaches to addressing complex issues. And so that's uh, led me to uh, writing and thinking um, and talking and working with people around collaboration and looking at collaborative governance as a way for... Um, helping to guide systems change or interrupting patterns and achieving things when things are really complex. So um, that's kind of been my, my trajectory and um, it's, it's what I get the most satisfaction from is seeing people work in a way that kind of uh, uh, can, can turn things around and, and change patterns and achieve things that would otherwise be impossible to achieve. And uh, you must be you must be busy, Max, because um, the idea of community engagement and collaboration is certainly a, a concept that uh, rolls off the tongue every sort of sixty seconds in the work that we do uh, in in whether it be public policy or infrastructure development or city planning. Um, let's uh, let, let's sort of kick off with uh, this idea of collaboration. Um, now, I've sort of played around in community engagement processes for quite some time and your introduction there um, started to really sort of identify a little bit of a pivot that you made in your career. But can you tell us a little bit about um, collaboration and sort of a little bit how it is different from sort of community engagement? Let's start with some fundamentals there. Yes, well, of course, a lot of people would be familiar with you know, the collaborate level on the IAP2 spectrum um, so that uh, consultation and uh, community involvement are all different ways that engagement can happen, but collaboration is kind of more pointing to, well, we're all in this together and we need to decide to, together. But I think that collaboration uh, can be understood uh, in another way as being different to other forms of um, how people work together and that is there's a, a continuum I really like to use where we sometimes people um, uh, work together or they, they say that they're collaborating and basically all they're doing is networking but that's okay that's often the beginning of relationship building where it may then lead to people starting to work more intentionally together um, people sometimes are working cooperatively in that they're sort of doing things so they don't get in each other's way and they might help each other out a bit 
um, coordination is another word where we kind of can align our activities in a way to have um, more impact. But I think the thing about collaboration that makes it distinctive in the way that I define it, that's um, my working definition and those of many other people, it's about co-creating something that wasn't there before. And that's where collaboration, I think, is um, distinctly different from other ways of people just working together. And that is, um, if we're identifying something which is very challenging, we're saying, well, it's not about one person having an idea about how to change things and then trying to market that idea and get support for it and hoping that the rest of the universe falls into line. Collaboration is about uh, a bunch of diverse participants coming together to say, what we have now isn't working and it's sufficiently complex that we probably need to reinvent how we approach this thing. So for me, collaboration has that different edge to it, which is about saying we need to create something that wasn't there before, which means we might need to experiment. We might need to, we need to rapidly learn. We need to recognize that there's no single organization that has the answers to this particular problem or issue. It's something we need to work out together. That to me is is a you know the critical thing about collaboration. Yeah, no, that's um that's interesting. I was I was also once um told that um you know the the difference between a lot of the differences you know between collaboration and just you know good working together, whether it be coordination or engagement. Um, there was some re some really sort of secret e ingredients in there. Um, and um, I was told that really for that true collaboration to sort of really un unleash itself and you know, generate benefits and outcomes, you know, there's got to be sort of an element of, of trust, you know, which is, which is hard, particularly in cross-sector projects where government's involved and private sector is involved, um, you know, trust and, and sort of sharing power and letting go and things like that. What, what, are, what are sort of those core ingredients that sort of different, differentiate or, or you know when you're collaborating because you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, but that probably feels about right. Would that be would that be correct? What are your views on those key ingredients? Yeah, I think you've touched on something really important. Um, certainly, there needs to be trust, and certainly there needs to be um, that uh, uh, that letting go that you talk about, which is um, one person or one organisation being prepared to let go of the way they see things and what the answer should be, and and the way things might work well for them to saying, well, we actually need to do this together, so we need to step back and look at this differently. It actually demands a different kind of leadership, and I think that's a, an incredibly important part of collaboration is um, leaders actually seeing their role quite differently. Um, so I want to get back to the issue of trust, um, but I'll just continue on this thing about with leaders. I think that for me when people start to collaborate, I think when there's this... Um, the penny drops that what people are trying to achieve or, or the outcomes they're trying to achieve, um, they have this recognition that they can't do it alone and that if they're the ones that are largely pushing the system for change, it is really, really hard work. And so in order to have many organisations working together towards uh, achieving a common goal requires, it's a bit of letting go, but it's, it's not about actually... Um, diminishing their commitment to act. It's, it's about the letting go in terms of I'm one that has to make all the decisions and I've got the answers. So it, it takes this kind of this, um, it's humility, but it's humility with strength. And I think that that is a, a key thing about leaders who are committed to collaborating. And I think that the challenge for that is that most 
leaders have got there because they've been able to be personally very successful. Um, they've been able to look after um, their uh, executives in the past or political leaders. And so they know they've actually been able to get into a position of authority and leadership by helping their organisation to uh, to achieve a lot and to be recognised. And suddenly in this collaborative space, it's now, you know what, the, the, the more I push my organisation to be seen as the star and outperforming other people, the less able we're able to actually collaborate, which means mm. we have to actually operate and behave in a different kind of way. And so the, the very skills and attitudes perhaps that help leaders to get into those positions may not be the attributes they need once they get there. Uh, they might need to sort of learn to do this different kind of leadership, which is uh, we're in this together and we can't do it alone. We don't have the answers alone. And if the stakes are really high, we need to do things differently together. So I think that's, you know, that's certainly a critical thing. Getting back to the trust thing, I think it's, it's not really possible for people to start collaborating and saying, well, this is really complex, let's collaborate. You can't really step into collaborating straight away, which is why it's important we don't make judgments about people that are basically just engaging or starting to network, but we know that that's not going to be enough. But it might be the basis for starting to build relationships, building some trust, uh, people getting to know each other differently which is, um, you know, is a basis. And also being able to arrive at some agreement about what is the question that we're all trying to address here or what is the, you know, what, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And that, that whole shared purpose, common purpose is, I guess, another ingredient, um, Adam, I think is really important is we kind of understand what, what it is that we're trying to address because um, I think unless there's agreement about that, then people are working across purposes. Uh, the um, the smart cities agenda. I just want to lay that in for a moment because some mm. of our listeners are probably thinking, okay, well, what has this got to do with smart cities? Uh, there's a couple of points I just want to make, and then I'm going to get back to you, Max. I, I suppose sure? I suppose when you know when we look at a lot of the um, the feedback, um, quantitative feedback from survey work, but also anecdotal feedback around the smart cities agenda. Um, around uh, key issues around sort of barriers of action and investment. You know, this is very hard work. It's complicated at times given the pace of change of, of technology, um, the, the, the options and the solutions that are available for cities and government and others to sort of embrace to try and do their work better. Issues around data, uh, governance, security, privacy, transparency – this whole sort of digital transformation that a lot of organisations are either um, having done to them or indeed hopefully they're, they're sort of curating and leading that, it, it's really hard work and the feedback is consistent that, um, you know, we need to collaborate more. Uh, the government is still sort of locked up in, you know, silo thinking and silo structure and silo budgeting. Um, and so therefore everyone says, oh, you know, collaboration is key to, you know, smart cities success. Um, what I what I want to do is 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 bring some some context now to sort of collaboration smart cities and smart cities is often a very complex term. Um, I stumbled across um, thanks to some of the work that, that you did early on uh, in authoring a very um, uh, a co-authoring a very sort of powerful document for me, which was the power of co. Um, stumbled stumbled across that. Um, uh, Kinevan framework around complexity and it really helped me ground context into sort of 
you know, you've got you've got simple problems, you've got complicated problems, you've got complex problems, then there's there's absolute chaos and there's different responses to those. And I often sort of place the smart cities agenda and, and rapid digital transformation as being quite complex. Can you can you sort of um, help our listeners um, visualise this kind of framework and how it sort of sorts complexity and challenges and problems and then what the different responses are and, of course, uh, collaboration is a particular re- response to that. Can you give us an overview of that framework? Yeah, I'll do my best. It's, it is easy with a diagram, as, as we know, but I'm sure that you can um, provide a link uh, to listeners to, to have a, a look at it and, and maybe hear Dave Snowden talking about it. I think that uh, the thing about dealing with complexity, um, uh, complex issues, is that what we know is that it's not exactly, there's no rule book as to how to address it. So you're trying to address something that maybe hasn't been confronted before. So an example of that, say in the city of Melbourne, they're looking at the impact of sea level rise and what does the implications that has for how we build infrastructure and how we do planning. It's a, it's a new thing. So. There, although there are some models around it, there's probably there's something actually quite distinct about how that might be affecting places, and so the approach might be different. So, in the Kinevan framework, uh, if we're doing something simple, and let's just say a, a typical example of that is you know baking a cake. Well, we know if we use the same ingredients or the right ingredients, and we sort of prepare it in the way and put something put it in the oven for the specified period of time you really should get the same result or pretty close to the same result every time so you do x which is the formula and you will always get y and so um, that's kind of something in the simple framework something complicated might be something very technically challenging required but you know that if you get the right expertise they'll have the right answer and you follow their advice and chances are you'll get the result you're seeking um, an example of that might be sort of I don't know, building a rocket ship um, in the complex space, we're more looking at things for which you could do X, you could follow a particular formula 10 times and you might get 10 different results. And so an example of that might be something like um, raising a child. I mean, <laughs> there are plenty of people that claim to have the rule book about how to do it, but all parents will know that actually no, <laughs> none of them really quite work. And, and none of them work for me, yeah. <laughs> you apply the same approach, you follow the same guide, and you'll get completely different results. And that is because you don't have control over all the factors. And I think it's a bit like, I mean, one metaphor I like is kind of um, uh, a sailing race, you know, like, you've got there are things that you, you can manage things on your on your craft but you're not really in control of the weather and you're not in control of what your competitors are doing and how they're attacking and whatever so you're always kind of a, you're adapting and so it's kind of an environment where there's lots of different factors uh, many things you don't have total control of and things are it's not a predictable environment and if you think about smart cities when you're talking about different layers of government you're talking about different political drivers. You're talking about economic factors. We're now talking about climate change. Um, and for any one organisation to say, I've got the answer as to how to make this a smart city, is kind of presuming they've got control over all the factors. And that's where you're in a complex space than just following one pattern or one set of rules uh, and trying to push that through is probably not going to be all that successful. Whereas... If you're collaborating, there's a recognition that we're all in it together. We all have some ability to influence this. We're more likely to be successful if we find ways of working together 
trying different things um, and also learning rapidly and being prepared to sort of give up on what our, um, our vision or our, our particular solution is to, to come up with a better one. And so it's this openness. There's this willingness to, to share information, a willingness to try things, a willingness to learn, and also um, the ability to kind of um, uh, galvanise almost a movement towards achieving something which you don't have total control over, but there are many players who are working together. So it's that's sort of more the, the, the complex um, uh, arena and how that works. I think what's important about it is you know, if we do learn and we find that something is working and then we don't have to pretend it's in the complex space forever. We might be able to, to actually move some things out of that complex domain into the complicated domain. So we now have actually worked out how to resolve something. So let's just say we've worked out how to address sea level rise in a really, um, you know, a, a way that's been really effective and people agree is a good way to do it. Uh, it may be you don't have to stay in that complex space forever. You might find a way that you can actually move it into the complicated domain, get good advice and manage it really, really well. But to get there, you might have to have been in that complex space where you need to collaborate to find a new solution, one that doesn't already exist. So just for our, uh, our listeners that might be trying to sort of multitask and Google at the same time around this Conevan framework. So... Uh, just to start with Conevin, it, it's it's spelled C-Y-N-E-F-I-N um, and it's a framework and, and Max has just been talking us through sort of some of those core components of this four quadrant model um, where, you know, problems are all, prob there's problems and then there's problems and as Max has been describing, there's sort of simple problems, complicated problems and we've been sort of highlighting some complex problems at the moment. Max, there's also utter chaos, which is one of the four... <laughs> Which is one of the four um, uh, yeah. parts of the parts of the quadrant. There, I'm, we won't dig into that. But what I wanted to do was just um, so just quickly take stock for a moment. So we've got those those different um, kind of characterised levels of of um, uh, of sort of challenges and problems and smart cities being an agenda of one, which is we don't necessarily know all the outcomes. Um, the different solutions and approaches are, are changing every day. Um, private sector is is at times very aggressive in trying to convince government that there's particular type of solutions. We've got government that has never tried it before. It's as you say, it's 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 not as simple. Do X, uh, X and Y, and you get Z. Um, so really, you know, you're helping me confirm here that that the smart cities agenda and embracing technology and data to be better is uh, at times certainly a uh, a complex, uh, a complex sort of process, and therefore uh, demands collaboration. Because, as you've described, you know, collaboration is a certain process that has a certain set of conditions and steps. Um, and it sounds like, from from what you're describing, you know, mindset and um, behaviour seems to be, you know, quite fundamental to any successful collaborative process. Um, can you talk a little bit about behaviour and mindset? Um, you know, dealing with people is hard, right? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And I think one of the things about collaboration is that it's probably more gutsy and at times there's more tension involved in collaboration because you're kind of committed to working something out together. Whereas if you're just cooperating about something, if it's kind of convenient and comfortable, you do it. And if it's not, well, you don't, but it doesn't really matter. And I think there's a greater commitment uh, and sometimes healthier tensions and the challenge is sort of using healthy tensions as a way to create innovative ideas. Um, 
so I think the behaviours are it's not it's not about being nice. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's not it. It's 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 a lot more profound than that. I think it's saying, "Wow, this is really really important." And guess what? We all need to learn a lot because none of us know the answer, and none of us, even if we think we've got the right answer, are able to implement that idea without other people also thinking it's a great answer. So we actually have to uh, approach it with some humility and some self-awareness. And also I think um, in terms of behaviours, I think it, it takes a, you know, a lot of determination and almost bloody-mindedness to say this is too important to just keep doing things as we are, that, mm. um, that it's not okay just to sort of do a bit of fine-tuning here or there. That's probably not going to get us where we need to go. I mean, I think a classic example, um, you know, I've been working on a project with the state health department and they're looking at the stats about how um, demand for healthcare and the cost of healthcare, we're never going to actually be able to keep up. It's going to be like 50% of our GDP in about 30 years, if not less. And so we need to actually change the way we do health, the way we look after ourselves, the way that the health system works. And we don't know exactly what that means and what it looks like but we know that business as usual is never going to be the answer. So we need to think about things very, very differently. And it's the same with smart cities. If, uh, you know, given the expected um, increased urbanisation of the planet, um, finite resources, finite um, open space, um, we have, um, you know, all, all the stuff that you know about with smart cities. It, it's challenging. But what we know is that, we need to think differently about how it works because it has to work differently because what we're doing probably isn't going to be, you know, um, effective in, in the longer term. So it, need, it needs a new kind of thinking and an approach. And so it takes humility, but also takes a lot of um, willingness to share insights and the willingness to test things and to be open about once, once you sort of tested an idea or you've prototyped something to say, Do you know what, we thought this could work and be effective, but it isn't working. So let's just let that die and let's actually focus energy on other stuff that is working. Yeah. So anyway, that's, there's a few things about behaviors. Yeah. And, and um, of course, you know, politically at times, you know, failure is, is, uh, is, is, is not, is not favored <laughs> as an no, option. It's not okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We're, we're, we're failure could be, you know, sometimes the best outcome for a project or a, or a process or an initiative or sector so that, uh, improvement is made um and just on just on politics and failure and behaviors max i want to i want to now sort of introduce this second word into our conversation which is governance and sort of talk about this idea uh well it's more than an idea it's it's a framework it's sort of a practice there are you know some examples out there of this idea of collaborative governance um and this is kind of where i wanted to sort of sort of end on now this podcast is a uh, this episode is a, is a conversation around collaborative governance um let me just sort of go hard at you and say you know what is collaborative governance in the context of what we've been talking about uh, here on this episode yeah well for me collaborative governance is um a way that leaders and citizens uh, and a diverse range of them decide to do things together and to, uh, to work in such a way that you can have a greater collective impact. So it's, um, uh, you know, and I think that we have to be very careful about kind of describing the form of it and the structure of it. 
And I th- in some ways, I think collaboration is useful f- to uh, actually invent a new way of doing it. And it's, it's important we don't prescribe how that happens. But to say that, um, just for one example, just City of Melbourne looking at having a climate leaders forum um, and um, having council work with um, uh, NGOs, working with private companies, working with state government, working with citizens and saying, okay, we all have a role to play in this. How do we not fall over each other, but also how do we do some things quite differently and how can we all commit to that? And so there's agreement on having, for instance, a shared measurement system. And I think this has been very helpful with the, there's quite a few um, parallels with collaborative governance, I think, and uh, what's become known as collective impact. And one of the things about collective impact um, is that there's agreement to say, here are the measures we need to pay attention to. Let's all start measuring this stuff and let's all align the data we're collecting, what we're paying attention to, to see if what we're doing is actually helping to make a difference to the things that really matter. So that is a very, that's a very tangible thing about collaborative governance that a whole bunch of organisations say, hey, we need to measure this. Let's measure this, let's report on it and let's be accountable to each other for what we're doing. That doesn't happen very often in, in planning context, but it's an incredibly important part of collaborative governance and making it a collective impact is saying, let's agree what's important and start measuring it and let's be accountable to each other for what we're doing and our part that we're playing in making a difference to whatever it is we want to make a difference to. So, Max, just to be clear, so collaboration and collaborative governance are two separate things. Um, is, is collaborative governance just sort of, you know, it's a more, it's a more premium product, you know, above and beyond collaboration? T- talk, talk me through sort of some tangible differences there. You, you're, certainly, you're certainly touching on sort of ag- agreements and skin in the game and, and shared measurement and things like that. Am, am I sort of, am I reading this right, that it's, it's going that step further rather than just sort of good, wholesome collaboration, exploring outcomes and ideas and going into the unknown together and there's an element of commitment and trust. This is going further and really sort of, um, you know, being transparent, um, sharing success is, you know, are we talking different governance arrangements and entities or how this all sticks together? Describe sort of yeah. these, these differences here. Yeah, well, I think that collaborative governance definitely requires collaboration. I think what I see as collaborative governance is that it requires more systematic commitments um, accountability to other organisations and transparency and being willing to share that and, and formalising it in some way. So I think that's, that's how collaborative governance is different to um, just collaborating on something which is co-creating something new. But you need to have collaboration to do collaborative governance. So I think, you know, you can't get to doing collaborative governance unless you've had the experience of collaborating on some things, which include getting agreement on shared purpose and um, sharing insights, learning and all that kind of stuff uh, from a diverse range of players. But collaborative governance is chunking it to that level to say, we're not just going to work together, we're going to commit to doing this together and we're going to be accountable to each other. And there are a range of mechanisms. And I think, again, you don't prescribe how that happens, but unless you have that... um, uh, you know, locked in, then it's kind of fairly easy for people to peel off and start 
doing their own thing and paying more attention to their vertical drivers rather than the, those horizontal ones, which is the commitment between organisations. And that is the great challenge of doing collaborative governance is that the vertical drivers through CEOs and boards and politicians are very, people understand what, what they're like and how to uh, placate or to please in that direction. So getting, an, uh, so collaborative governance needs an authorising environment among organisations to say, we need to do this differently, we need to do it together. And it's not okay that we march to the beat of our own drum and trying to just please, um, you know, the people at, at the top of the pecking order. We actually have to give this a chance to work to make the kind of difference that we need to make. Otherwise, we're kind of, it's just not going to work. Max, for those that are listening to this episode um, and not familiar with collaborative governance, it's, it's potentially sort of uh, pretty heady, heady and pretty sort of theoretical. Um, are there some good, um, are there some good sort of resources or guidance notes out there? Where, where could we sort of send our, um, send our listeners to, to get some more nuts and bolts around collaborative governance? Yeah, you know, I think there isn't a whole heap of resources out there that, that describe collaborative governance. There are some. Um, you talked about the book that I co-authored a few years back called The Power of Co. Um, I think there are other um, resources out there that are worth looking at, but they might be called different things, and this is mm. one of the challenges. Uh, so the Tamarack Institute um, have um, a whole bunch of resources, and they, they offer a fair bit of thought leadership around collective impact and they've gone from looking at collective impact which was um you know was written about probably about 10 years ago and now they've kind of evolved it to a collective impact 3.0 so there's some good resources at the tamarack institute um there's also the um uh, collaboration for impact which is an australian based uh not-for-profit uh firm based in sydney and Collaboration for Impact also have a lot of resources. And so they've sort of steered away from using the, um, the language of collaborative governance or collective impact, and they're talking about a collaborative change cycle. So, you know, that's the language they're using. So we don't get tripped up too much about, um, you know, the, the terminology, but just to say broadly, it's about a whole bunch of people trying to make a difference to something. Mm. And so the, the collaborative change cycle that they talk about, I think, is actually really solid and I'm pleased I've been able to sort of provide some input to that. Uh, uh, Kerry Graham and Liz Skelton, they have done some amazing work. It, 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 it's a lot to take in, but they've got a, a good resource on their website, Collaboration for Impact, around the collaborative change cycle and talks about a process of how people become ready to seriously collaborate and what that takes. And I think it can sound overwhelming and just all too difficult, but I think one of the things that they have found and we found is that you don't have to collaborate with everybody about everything all the time. And if you're starting out, finding some things that you can make a serious difference to and having an experience of collaboration and making a difference is a way of building your collaborative capital, if you like, that actually enables you to then uh, launch from that into being a lot bolder and taking on something even more ambitious because you've built the trust, you've had the experience of success and you're starting to learn what it takes to make a difference. So, um, yeah, there, there's some resources anyway that are worth looking at. You know, th thanks for sharing that, uh, Max. Um, I suppose just sort of wrapping things up now, just a couple of final questions. One is um, 
it all sounds good in theory. Where are we at in Australia and actually sort of executing, you know, good collaborative processes or I should probably say, you know, collaborative governance? I mean, is this, how new is this concept? Are we seeing it resonate here in Australia? Yeah, I don't think the terminology is, has resonated yet, but I'm seeing examples where people are starting to experiment with greater levels of collaboration to tackle different issues. So, um, you know, just, just one example, the uh, EPA in Victoria uh, could see that there was um, great uh, trust had eroded around a significant environmental and public health issue with the Hazelwood mine fire and, need, and decided we needed to collaborate with uh, public health, local government and citizens to say how is it that we can sort of address uh, this issue of air quality monitoring changed the rules, invented a new way of doing it, uh, worked together, and in the end, from a situation where there was outrage and dismay, landed on some solutions, uh, did some participatory budgeting, relationships were built, and a lot of um, uh, you know bridges were rebuilt. And it was a really stunning outcome and gave a whole lot of confidence that you can actually collaborate and address something and address issues uh, such as trust and people working across purposes. So it, it was a very specific example, but I think there are examples of people increasingly saying it is actually possible to work with diverse players and come up with a very different outcome and feel good about the process and be able to commit to it to make it happen. So, you know, there, there are many examples are kind of at that level. I think we're not at the level where we're seeing um, like citywide collaborative governance approaches to uh, changing the way we do planning. But I think that at, at, at more local levels, there, there's quite a few good examples of, of collaboration. So it's, uh, um, you know, I think as I mentioned before, the city of Melbourne, and I, th I think you, you pointed them in my direction a few years back about the, the Climate Leaders Forum. They actually, I think what they did was uh, amazing and having um, uh, the City of Melbourne not saying that this is our thing to manage and control, but the invitation of let's all be part of a solution here and what would that look like and what role can you play and let's, how do we sort of keep accountable to each other, I think is a, an, it is an example um, that, uh, that I think is, is very encouraging. That kind of direction is definitely encouraging. Well, Max, that's good to hear. And um, I, I sort of remain optimistic that our sort of practices of, of planning and development and service delivery um, for our communities will c continually sort of embrace the idea of, of collaboration. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm a collaborative sort of governance groupie and, and advocate, and I hope that we can sort of see more of that uh, sort of permeate our, our, our processes in Australia. So um, I, I remain optimistic and, and very certainly appreciate your, um, your, your sort of helping our listeners unpack some of these often common words that just roll off the tongue, but, you know, really looking at the subtle and not so subtle differences of those, those key terminology. So thanks, um, thanks for joining us. Um, this is not the, um, the only sort of collaboration um, conversation we're going to be having on the Chronicles as part of this first uh, set of episodes, um, but certainly a great um, uh, sort of base for us now to sort of uh, the work from. So, Max, thanks, uh, thanks so much, much for joining us. Um, best, uh, best wishes for 2019, and hopefully we might have you back later in the year, and we'll dive a little bit, a uh, little bit deeper into some of those, some of those examples. So, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Adam. Always good to talk.
And for our listeners, uh, remember that you can uh, subscribe to the podcast through the usual forums of Apple iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify. Uh, more episodes uh, coming up shortly around those uh, core foundational smart cities issues around strategy and collaboration standardization uh, in our uh, in our first uh, first round. Uh, I've had Max Hardy from Max Hardy Consulting join me on this uh, on this episode. Uh, it's been a delight to speak with Max, dig into collaboration and collaborative governance. Uh, and until next time, we look forward to uh, look forward to speaking uh, with our listeners once again. Uh, so hope everyone uh, enjoys the rest of their week wherever they're listening from uh, and keep well.